Let's turn to the scriptures as we remain standing before the Lord. Matthew chapter 5. And you can tell me the verse. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Wow. You guys are good. Matthew 5, verse 6. Amen. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Father, we are grateful to you for your word. We pray that you will speak to us, release grace and anointing in this place that will make the proclamation of your word effective. Every resistance to the preaching of God's word, we bind them in the name of Jesus. Every critical spirit be stilled and God's name exalted in the house. We take victory in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Yesterday, as a church, we were able to go to Lancaster. We want to thank the, the Sunday School Department and the leadership for hosting it and uh, Supporting it in such a way that those who were there were blessed by the sight and sound show, the Poinestra. Anybody who has not gone, I recommend that you do before they pull it out. I believe that it's running till end of this year or this month, I'm not sure. Uh, but it's worth the drive and uh, the show is truly blessing. Thank the directors, Sister Christy Koshi, Annie Saji, Dr. Avinash Sharyan, Brother Vijayanuman for coordinating and all the other brothers and sisters who work behind the scene. Brother Charyan Jian who's our trustee. Uh, we want to thank them for working together. Having said that, we're going to move to the text today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. One version says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Another version says, You are blessed when you work up a good appetite for God, his food and drink in the best meal you ever eat. That's message worship. So I've titled the message, How is Your Appetite? How is your appetite? How is your appetite? There is an old proverb that goes like this. A good meal ought to begin with hunger. Can you imagine sitting to eat and you not feeling hungry? When you look around the world, you see two extremes. One extreme is a world that's reeling with hunger. 21,000 people die a day without food, hungry. The next one is baffling. 811 million people went to bed last night hungry. That's one extreme. The other extreme is 
there are literally thousands of people who can't eat because they don't have a good appetite. They have food, but they don't have an appetite. These are two extremes that we see in the world around us. Jesus uses a very common phrase, a common experience to those who lived in that world at that time, hunger and thirst. We are blessed. In America, we have food, ample of them. There are hungry people here in America, but thank God we have so many programs and the church should get involved in it as well to feed those who are hungry. Jesus uses hunger and thirst. The people around him, they knew very well what hunger was, what thirst was. How many of you know what really hunger is? I think we are so blessed that before hunger pangs touch us, we consume. Some of us don't even know what hunger is. The problem that we have is we don't know what to eat. We don't know what to drink. You open the refrigerator, so much choice. You look at, you walk into a restaurant, look at the menu, so many choices. And because of abundance, Quite often, we tend to not understand what real hunger and thirst is. But speaking to a people are famished. People are really hungry and thirsty. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Not for food, but for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Jesus looked at the masses that was with him and he had compassion on them. And we see that he actually fed them multiple times. But here Jesus is talking about a different kind of hunger and thirst. A different kind of hunger and thirst. He's talking about hunger and thirst for righteousness. The feeling of hunger is placed by God himself within all of his creation. Human beings, it's a good feeling because we know it's time to eat. Hungry, thirsty, we know it's time for us to hit the food. It's a good feeling. But the same God has also instilled within us another appetite. Appetite for God. Praise God. The creator has instilled within his creation, mankind, an appetite for God and godly things. A God-shaped vacuum in all of mankind which cannot be filled by anyone or anything else. Praise God. 
We live in a world of substitutes. Where people try to substitute something else. Solomon tried it. Entrusting, he starts with worship. Offer sacrifice to God. God is pleased with him. But later on, he ventures into another arenas. He tried. Woman, he tried wine, he tried wealth, he tried work, but in the end he writes in Ecclesiastes, everything is meaningless. You can't plug in anything else in God's place. You can't plug in anything else in the place of righteousness. Nothing. The other day I went to the superstore, supermarket. Picked up a butter. It's reached like this. I can't believe it's not butter. Looks like butter, tastes like butter, but it is not butter. Went to Burger King. They have the impossible Whopper. Substitute of meat. Tastes like meat. Textured like meat. Smells like meat. But it's not Go for sugar. Equal. Not sugar, substitute. Go to the entertainment world. Go to Disney. Those who have a craving to go to the space, they'll make you feel as if you are going to space in two minutes. Give you the thrill, the excitement, the fear, everything packed together in two minutes. Those who like outdoors, you can go on that raft, riding on that river, give you the excitement and the thrill, keep you out of the danger. Now you can sit on a seat and you can have a free fall from the sky. Substitutes everywhere. We don't want the real thing. The real thing comes with a price. So give me the substitute. That's what the world screams. And so even in the realms of spirituality, people tend to try for substitutes. Instead of seeking the face of the Lord, we face, we do so many other things. Instead of establishing a relationship with him, we are content with ritual. Instead of entering into our intimacy with him, we are content with superficial relationship. Religion has taken over instead of relationship with God. And so what is the outcome? We come out 
as hungry as we were. We are not filled. We feel empty, null, void. Because we've been feeding on the wrong stuff. Let me ask you, have you been feeding on the right stuff? Have you been consuming on the milk of God's word, pure milk? Have you been consuming strong meat, as God's word puts it? When was the last time you digged in to go into God's word? Fill yourself with the word of God. Jesus says, if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, he gives us a promise. What is the promise? That he will satisfy us. Praise God. Quite often, we live a dissatisfied life. God promises satisfaction. We live a dissatisfied, discontent life. God promises a life that's full and overflowing. Wasn't that what he said? Come, he will give us abundance of life. Overflowing life. Life, unending, eternal life. We have all these promises, but we tend to go back home empty. And that's not what God wants. He wants us to be full, filled, satisfied, content. Now, if that's the promises of God, God is always true to his promises. Praise God. But the condition here is that we need to what? Hunger and thirst. Praise God. Hunger and thirst for the right stuff, for the right thing that God is saying. Praise God. Hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. Praise God. Hunger and thirst for God. Have a spiritual appetite for him. Do we have a spiritual appetite for him? Do we have a spiritual appetite for the things of God? Only Jesus can satisfy that hunger and that thirst. Only Jesus can bring within us an ultimate satisfaction. In many areas of our lives, we hunger and thirst but we are not satisfied. Praise the Lord. So what is it that the Bible says when it says hunger and thirst for righteousness? What does it mean? What does it mean to hunger and to thirst? The Bible is talking about a spiritual kind of hunger. It's talking about a deep desire for God and godly things. The psalmist puts it like this. As the deer panteth after the brook, so my soul longeth after thee. Verse 2. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
when shall I come and appear before God? Psalm 42, 1 and 2. I know everyone else knows this. The psalmist in 63, Psalm 63, 1 records like this. Check this out. Oh God, you are my God. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. Look at the terminologies that's used there. I will seek you earnestly. It shows a passion that is in the depth of the psalmist's heart that cannot be quenched by anything that's superficial. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and a weary land where there is no water. In other words, the psalmist is saying, I am desperate for you. When was the last time you felt like that? I'm desperate. I know we sing that song, I'm desperate for you. I love that song. But when was the last time you felt, Lord, I need more of you. I can't get enough of you. Ever that thought ever went through your mind? Praise God. That's what the psalmist was saying. He says, I am thirsty. I'm craving for you. I'm desperate for you. you need to, I, need, I need to come and be in your presence. Oh God, you are my God. Praise God. We need to come to a grip that when you have such a consuming passion for God, listen, when you have such a drive for God, praise God, God will satisfy that desire. Guaranteed. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Wow. Now think about this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Praise God. Do you find delight in just simply hanging around him? Do you find delight in looking into God's word and trying to hear him? Do you find delight as you hear songs that plays about the glory of God, the majesty of God, the praise of God? If you said yes, you seem to have a okay appetite for God. If none of these things interest you, something wrong with that appetite. But if you've been craving for the presence of God, you have a strong appetite. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So the psalmist, he's saying that, oh God, you're my God. God will always respond to that kind of a desire that wells up within us. And we need to know that we cannot receive anything of God unless we have such a desire for him. Whether it's salvation or spiritual growth. Acts 2.21 puts it like this. 
and it shall be that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You call upon his name, you will be saved. Peter writing puts it like this in 1 Peter 2, verse 2. Like newborn babes craves pure spiritual milk so that it may bring growth and development in you. God saved, praise God, by the grace of God. But if there has to be a spiritual growth, we need to crave for what? The things of God. If you want the gift of the Holy Spirit, this is what Jesus said. Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven Give good gifts to them that ask him. If we have a desire, God is saying, if you have a desire and you ask me, I'm going to give you how much? Praise the Lord. If it's the gifts of the Spirit, Paul writing to the Corinthians puts it like this, 1 Corinthians 12, 31. But desire earnestly the greater gifts. Is it because we don't have a desire that we are not cooperating in the gifts of the Spirit? Is it because we have not been asking that we have not got the gift of the Holy Spirit? If we feel famished in our spirit, is it because that we have not been craving for the spiritual pure milk of God's word? When you have such a spiritual hunger for God and godly things, it makes you persistent for the things of God. You just keep going back again and again and again and again. See, hunger and thirst is an ongoing phenomenon. It's an ongoing drive. That's why Jesus used that term, hunger and thirst. Yeah, I ate yesterday. That don't mean that I'm not going to feel hungry today. I'm going to go and eat again because I'm going to be hungry. No, think about that concept in relationship to God. He is saying hungry and thirsty for righteousness. That means I'm not, I'm not Full yet, but I am in the process going again and again and again. Praise God. I'm going to feed on him again because he's going to fill me again and again. It's an ongoing thing. You can't be sitting around saying Sunday morning I came. I took part in the service. I heard God's word and that's good enough. No. Praise God. The hunger and thirst drives me again into the presence of God because I need more of him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Have the kind of mindset that Jacob had at the river Jabbok. You know what Jacob said to the angel? The angel said, let me go. The dawn is breaking. You know what Jacob said? I'll not let you go unless you bless me. That's what you call as being persistent. I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. 
plow. The Bible says he wrestled with God. A wrestling match with the Almighty and the mortal. And the Almighty says, let me go, it's done. Mortal is saying, I'm going to let you go unless you bless me. I'm so hungry. Unless you fill me, unless you bless me, I'm not going to let you go. That's the kind of passion. That's the kind of drive. That's the kind of desire Jesus intends when he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. A hunger and thirst that only the fountain of life can fill and satisfy. My God, praise God. So often we are content with the superficial, shallow life where God is saying, come deep into a relationship with me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Think about Paul. The man was so close to him, had a trip, not into space. He says, taken up to third heaven. But ultimately, Spence says, I want to know him more. I want to. See, it's the more you know him, the more you want to know him. The more you spend time with him, you want to linger in his presence. Praise God. The drive and the pull is so strong. The pull is strong and so is the drive. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given. Seek, you will find. Knock. It shall be a progressive words. That means ask, keep on asking. Seek, keep on seeking. Knock, keep on knocking. And what? Praise God. You will be satisfied. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This kind of hunger and thirst, praise God will not subside unless and until you get the fill, but then again drives us into the presence of God. So Jesus said, blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. What is meant by righteousness? Few steps that we understand it. One, to do what God requires. One perversion says, for what is Right, praise the Lord. It's talking about a personal kind of righteousness. The right kind of conduct that's required by God in order to live in alliance with the will of God. Aligning ourselves with the will of God in our conduct in our everyday life. It also means justification, where when one trusts Jesus as a Savior, 
heaven proclaims us justified, proclaims us righteous. Not because of anything that we did, but everything that he did. I'm using this glass, it's plain. I can see everything as, I, as you all see at this point. But if I were to take a red shade glass, if my lens is red, everything that I see here is red. If I replace it with a blue lens, everything that I see here is tainted with blue. When a person receives Jesus as their savior, God looks at that person through Jesus Christ. And every one of us who have received him is found righteous and holy in the sight of God. Praise the Lord. Theologically, it's called imputation. Imputed righteousness of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Robing ourselves with the robe of righteousness. Praise the Lord. That doesn't take the drive off me. I am robed with this righteousness. Heaven has declared me righteous, but I still have the drive. Praise God. To do the right thing. To live right. To live according to the will of God. According to the word of God. Praise God. And when I have such an hunger and thirst for it, Jesus said, you will be satisfied. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So there is both sanctification and a sanctified living. Listen to me carefully. There is a sanctification part. We are sanctified. And there is also a sanctified living that you and I have to do every day of our lives. There is justification and there is justice. What does that mean? Praise the Lord. To do righteous things. This is how the, the Bible puts it. Getting ourselves involved in doing that which is right. You and I live in a world, in a society that is deformed before because of the effects of sin. You see the effects of sin everywhere. In lives around us, broken lives, broken homes, dysfunctional homes. And God has put us here on earth to touch and make a difference in such people's lives. The hands-on approach of the gospel. Those who are justified, those who have been pronounced righteous by God, should live a right life. Righteous as in living a right life in the sight of God. But also getting involved in our world, whatever, how big or small your world is. As one who is pronounced righteous by God. As one who governs and conducts his life according to the will of God. Also has to involve themselves in a hands-on approach of the gospel. Meaning bringing forth life and fullness to those who are around us. In following God's righteousness, 
on behalf of God to the people around us. Practically, what does that mean? It means feeding the hungry, helping those who are oppressed, being a voice to the voiceless, being an advocate to those who are challenged in any areas of their lives. This is how God's word puts it. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and walk humbly with our God. Prophet Isaiah 117. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Practically speaking, how do you do these things? God has put the ball into motion. Listen. He put the ball into motion. How? When he pronounced you and me righteous, just, justified. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When I put my trust on him, he looked at me and said, this guy is worthless yet. <laughs> His worth is not determined by what he does, but what my son has accomplished on the cross. He looks at me through Jesus and he sees me complete, holy in his sight because of what he did. Praise God. That doesn't take away my responsibility or my desire or my drive. Now he has pronounced me righteous. My have, I have a drive and a desire to do that which is righteous in his sight. That is align myself to God's will that's written in God's word. And then bringing it into a practical step. Praise God. Getting ourselves involved in your world, in your community. How much are we involved? When was the last time you gave a lift? I'm not talking about no ride. When was the last time you gave a lending hand, a helping hand? When was the last time you remembered a widow or an orphan or a fatherless? Do you have such a drive? Praise God. Are you personally involved in anyone's life other than your own family? When I was 19, I sponsored the first child. From kindergarten all the way to postgraduate. Currently, I'm involved in so many kids' lives. I have not seen them. I don't know them personally. But I put them through school, through college, through postgraduate, to, to college all the way. It's because we cannot afford it. Continuously, I support widows. I don't say this to hoot my own horns, 
but I'm saying that I'm not simply saying it because it's part of the portion of scripture that is I'm preaching tonight, today. I'm saying this because it's a practical aspect of Christianity. Wake up! Don't be just content with yourself and your dear ones. There is a world out there that God wants us to make a difference. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. It doesn't end with praise and worship. It's good. Do it. It just doesn't end with a holy life. Good. Do it. God wants you and me to walk the talk. Get involved in people's life. Be the arm of Jesus. Be the voice of Jesus. Be the provision of Jesus. Be the providence of Jesus. Be the comfort of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Don't be satisfied by, by, by just yourself. When you pour into others, I'll tell you what happens. Praise God. When you pour into others, God pours into you. You become a channel. Praise God. Let me ask you. Is your channel flowing or it's blocked? Is your channel only going in certain directions? Praise God. Hallelujah. The Bible says, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we'll be satisfied, we'll be whole. How? Who's going to satisfy us? God, the righteous one, will satisfy us. Praise the Lord. When will he satisfy us? Some satisfaction here, right now in this world. Others, eternal in nature, will happen in eternity. Hallelujah. Yes, God says he will satisfy us. I'm going to check the order. I want you to check the order for a minute, okay? We started by saying those who are poor in the spirit. That's how we started, right? Poor in the spirit. We started like that because that's how Jesus started. And we're just following his order. Then coming to a place where we mourn over our sins. Then we find ourselves meek. That means we got rid of all self-glory, self-grandeur, pride. And when we do that, that's when we can hunger and thirst for righteousness. When we are full of ourselves, we are full of junk. Imagine this. You and I got an invitation to go out and eat. And there's a, there's a very lavish spread before us. We've been told about it. It's going to be a lavish spread. Uh, just like the, the buffet place that we hit yesterday. On the way, you stop at Dunkin' Donuts. You ordered a colada. 
and you bought some donuts and munchkins and you filled yourself with that junk and then finally you reach the place where the lavish spread is, you look at it, wow, that's cool, but no appetite. Why? Filled myself with all the junk food and now I don't have an appetite. Ask ourselves, is it because we've been filling ourselves with a lot of junk that we have no appetite for God? Is that what it is? Is it because we've been spending so much time with entertainment? I'm not against entertainment. That we have no drive for God? The time that we should be spending in, 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 in the presence of God, if we are watching a movie, there's nothing wrong in watching a movie. But if that has taken space, that has taken time, is that replacing your time with God? If so, we are filling ourselves with junk. And what it has done is it has deprived our hunger. It's taken our hunger and thirst for God away from us. If that's the case, we need to rearrange our lives. Rearrange our lives. Because God wants to fill us. Paul writing to Timothy puts it like this in 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee the evil desires of youth. Meaning keep yourself away from the junk food. Pursue. Righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of pure heart. Listen. He uses two terms. One, flee. The other, pursue. Both action is what? It's running. When you're fleeing, you're running. When you're pursuing, you're running. Flee, flee from ungodly. Flee, flee from Anything that is going to contaminate your life. Flee from the evil desires. That means you run away from it. And then it says, pursue righteousness. That means run towards it. Run away from the junk that consumes your time and takes your drive away from God and godly things and pursue, run towards God and godly things. And the Bible says, those who do those things, they get the perks. We talk about the perks every time. What is the perks? Well, perk number one, Jesus said, you shall be filled, you shall be satisfied. It's the same word that is used when Jesus fed the 5,000. They were full and they were satisfied and they had leftovers. It's the same term that is used to feed the cattle that is in the cattle store, full. Jesus says, if you hunger and thirst for 
righteousness, you shall be satisfied. There's going to be a content, a divine contentment, satisfied in the depth of your soul. Now, there are other perks too. I'm going to read one more perk. First Peter 3.12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. Hello. The Almighty says, my eyes are on the righteous. He has his eyes on you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Do you know what it is to have God's eye on you? It's not the way Uncle Sam watches you. It's not the way that, that your parents watch over you. Praise God. 24-7. God's protection. God's providence. God's provision is upon them. Praise God. My eyes are on the righteous and... His ears are attentive to their prayers. You have God's ears. Oh, wow. Praise God. That's a perk, guys. Amen. God's watching eye over us. Praise God. 24-7. Praise God. Regardless of where you are, what season you are in. Praise God. Season of abundance or season of scarcity. Praise God. Whether you are prosperous or you are poor, praise God. God's eye is upon you. And his ears are attentive to your cry. When you call on him, he bends down the heaven and he comes down for you. You have God's ears, the King of kings and the Lord of the universe. Praise God. He is interested in you. Praise God. When you speak, when you cry, when you pray, heaven hearkens on your behalf. Praise God. That's a perk. Praise God. So question this morning as we conclude is, How's our drive and appetite for God? Are you hungry for God? Are you thirsty for God and godly things? Are you satisfied with where you are? With your status quo? With your spiritual life? God wants to satisfy us. But we need to have that desire. Is anything taking place of your time with God? Are you feeding on junk so that now you don't have an appetite for the real milk and the meat of God's word? How have you been consuming your time? Praise God. God says, my eyes on you. I hear your voice. Praise God. What a blessed state it is to be. 
to be driven with a passion for God and godly things. My prayer is, praise the Lord, every one of us, as we, if you have never ever experienced salvation in your life where heaven has proclaimed you just, justified, praise God. This morning there is room at the cross for you to come and for heaven to pronounce you as righteous because you receive Jesus in your life as your Savior. If you have already received Christ in your life as your Savior, there is this, this is the beginning of a walk. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. May godly nature and character govern and conduct our lives. May we align ourselves to the will of God. May we have a drive and a passion for God and godly things. Praise God. But may it flow into a broken world around us. Praise God. May you and I become not only the exhibition of God's word, God's grace, but an extension of God's grace to a dying, hurting world around us. Don't be satisfied by being an exhibition of grace at your workplace, at your school, wherever God has placed you. He wants you to be an extension of that grace that starts by leading people to Christ. Praise the Lord. And getting involved in their lives. May the Lord help us to do so. We'll close our eyes and we'll pray for a minute. Father, we are grateful to you this morning. We pray that we, I, us, we will have a greater hunger and thirst for righteousness. And may it flow into every areas of our lives. May we not be content by the fact that you have made us righteous by virtue of what Christ did for us. But may it flow for it with a desire in our personal lives to be righteous. And may it flow into our community, into our society, into our world where we become the extension of God. Only you can satisfy it. Only you can fill that God-shaped vacuum and void in man's life. And I pray that if there is anyone in here that is feeling that emptiness, that hollow, that void in their lives, I pray that you would fill them with your presence with your peace, with your power, and with your drive. In Jesus' name we pray.